I'm Jordan Ferguson. And I'm Kate McKinnon. And you are listening to the Geek Down Podcast. Hey, what's up, y'all? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. This is a show where two friends sit in front of microphones and try to find the sweet test spots where their fandoms intersect. My name is Jordan Ferguson. I am in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And joining me on the other line, lounging in the satellite branch from Scenic Hamilton. You know her. You love her. It's your girl, Caitlin McKinnon. Hey! <laughs> hey, girl, Hey! Hey, girl, hey. I made you guys nervous. You were like, is she coming? Is she coming? Guess who's coming? There's a tiny little space there. Jordan was like, is there lag? No, no. I was just making it a surprise as much as possible. Surprise, motherfucker. As if our imminent return wasn't enough of a surprise to you. Friends, we told you we'd come back. We yeah. told you. We told you we'd come back. We, we was a little, promised. It was a little longer than, than we expected. Maybe we dragged our heels a little bit. But listen, we've been in the game for a minute, y'all. Been in the, uh, game. the longest minute in the entire world. Been in the game for years. It made me an animal. You know what animals need to do? Sleep. Made me a sleepy animal. <laughs> made me slow yes. moving. I'm a slow moving lion on the podcast Savannah. I take my time. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I am probably one of the lazier female lions <laughs> that make all the other lionesses do the just, work. Just, just flicking flies off her rump with her tail while she lies under a tree. Yeah, best life. Hashtag best life. <laughs> Friends, this is my God. Caitlin, what episode is this? I have no idea. Jesus. I just keep on telling people it's been hundreds of episodes. I'm just like, ah, oh, we're in the hundreds. Friends, this is episode 288 of the Geek Down podcast. If you would like to listen to any of our other 287 episodes and you didn't do it while we were gone, you had time. You could have. But if you hadn't, head wherever you get your audio content SoundCloud, Spotify, Google, Apple, or Stitcher. Find the podcast, give us a rate, review, follow, subscribe, review. How about a review? Because here's the thing, Kate. I had a lot of time to think mm. when I was mm-hmm. when I was flicking fleas off my rump out in Amherstburg, Ontario, which is not that inaccurate because the mosquitoes are serious <laughs> out there. But here's the thing. Friends, this is a fantastic show. It really is. Sounds great. Hits you generally every week. I think we're pretty funny. I hear a lot of shows out there that are none of those things that definitely rank higher than us on these charts. So guess what? Guess what? I'm back on my bullshit. I'm not not just going to be like, let people come to us. (laughs) Oh no. Fuck that son. (laughs) We're going to, we're going to advertise. We're going to tell people that we want to rate. Uh, we want to rate, and we want people to, like, rate tell their friends. and review. Rate and review. Not rate or review. Rate and review. Because that helps us. You got to believe it. You don't know what it does. When you do that, the algorithms know. You know they know. You mention a certain toothpaste once, and you get ads in your Instagram for it for the next five months. Yeah. The algo knows. So when you give a rate and review, just say, the show's dope. Three words. Three words. You write text messages longer than that. You don't think after all the content we've given you the past five years, you can give us three words on a Spotify review? You can do that for us. Caitlin, back me up for fuck's sake. Oh, I, I mean, I just, I'm nodding away forgetting <laughs> that we do a podcast and nobody can see me going, uh-huh, Kate, yeah, that's Kate, fucking right. 
seriously <laughs> nodding like, woo, let's go. Throwing like her, a, throwing like her neck out. Church. Throwing her neck out. She's hat. nodding so hard. There's a tissue out, a hanky out going like, yes, Lord. And meanwhile, no one can see me do that. So, yes, I completely agree with Jordan. Yeah. I think, you know what? If you're still struggling financially, you can at least give us a little like, this show is amazing. I really like this show. Even though they yell at me every week about something, I still enjoy coming here. You know other ways you can help the show? You can go on twitter.com slash geekdownpod. Give us a follow there. That way you can retweet whenever we drop a new episode. Just a little one button, one tap, tap, that's it. Tap. I post the show every week at some point. (laughs) Maybe not the day it drops, but it always goes up at some point. Hey, at least you do it. (laughs) I mean, like, I, th- someone liked us on Facebook. No, they did. Well, during, yes, they did. They during did the not. summer break. They did. They 100% it did. Was, and I, I had a moment where I was like, maybe I should start doing the Facebook stuff again. And then I was like, Caitlin, calm down. It was, it was absolutely a Russian bot. But you can give us a retweet on Twitter.com slash GeekdownPod or give us a follow. That helps, too. Get our follower count up. You don't have Twitter? I don't, I don't care if you read the tweets. Just follow us. It's all metrics, so baby. Are, it's all metrics. They are funny. They are quite funny. Sometimes. Or, if you can, support this endeavor financially. If you've got the cash lying around, if you've been on vacation too, if you were taking days off for other reasons, which Caitlin and I will both get to in a, re- in a minute, um, head on over yeah. ko-fi.com slash geekdownpod. Throw three bucks in the old tip jar. This is the first episode of the Geekdown Podcast on the brand new, being produced on the brand new 2022 Mac M2 MacBook Air. I paid for it up front. Wasn't cheap, y'all. <laughs> Um, yes, it was not, and I know this because I got to hear about it so often. <laughs> there were specification options I was weighing, and who do you think heard about that the most? Caitlin McKinnon. <sighs> Caitlin, how much RAM do I need? Caitlin's like, what's RAM? I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I know what random <laughs> access memory is. I'm a millennial. She does. <laughs> she, she, it's, her fa- it's her favorite Daft Punk album. That's all she knows. <laughs> anyway, friends, we had some time off. We did a bunch of stuff, but first and foremost, the thing you mm-hmm. want to probably know about the most, Kate and I both got COVID, y'all! Woo! This is definitely an air horn moment. We Oh, it's, believe me, Alyssa, I can't do the drops live yet still. I gotta buy another buy another cord for that, but believe me, they, they are, mm-hmm. there are bombs, there are air horns. All the celebration you can possibly handle to know that after, God, two and a half years yeah. of doing this show via distance uh avoiding each other and avoiding other things other celebrations doing things missing christmases with family doing all the things you were supposed to do and still doing them i wasn't real loose with the mask out there i was still washing my hands still doing all that business but ba5 y'all got me in mid-july started feeling Um, started feeling had a cough mm -hmm. thought it was maybe like listen your man's uh has a touch of the touch of the gird sometimes sometimes that makes you cough also, the temperature in Toronto had been real wonky up and down. We had a couple low days, and I just thought fan in my face while I was sleeping. I was like, that's, that's all that is. And then uh, Tuesday night of that week, I took a test when I got home. Took a test. Yep. Came up negative. I was like, all right. Had the, had the next day off. Was off on the Wednesday. Before I went to bed on Tuesday night, as I usually do, I went to hop in the shower. A little cold rinse. Helps me fall asleep, right, in the summer months. No air conditioning. Yep. You know how that goes. Got in the shower and I went, oh, this water is much too cold. You know what I need on a 
28-degree night in July on the top floor of an unair-conditioned apartment? A hot shower. That's what I want. What a twist. That feels perfect. And as I was getting comfy in there being, oh, this feels nice. This is so not good, but it feels nice. Uh, (laughs) Managed to sleep that night. Got up. Next day, the wonky, fevery chillness was still kind of there. I was like, I should take another test. And womp womp. Got my two lines. Said, well... I had a good run, and I only lost taste for about five days. That was weird. Yeah, I never... Okay, so for me, I had a bit of a sore throat, Um, but it really wasn't sore. It was more felt dry, Mm -hmm. and I thought it was from getting married and, like, you know, yelling over music And doing a lot of talking. Side tangent, y'all. Kate finally had her wedding reception. We'll get to that in a minute, but carry on. Yeah. yeah, Um, And I just thought it was from that, and my throat was really dry. I also have terrible allergies, and I have done so many tests thinking, oh, I've got COVID now. It was just allergies. Like, this has been several now. I even, like, back in the good old days where you had to, like, go drive somewhere and get a test, (laughs) I had maybe three of them, and every single one was negative. Um. So I was like, oh, it's because I had no other symptoms. I didn't have any fever. I didn't have anything. I just, and it maybe actually still could have possibly been allergies or just doing a lot of talking and yelling over music and, you know, drinking and all of that. And it was Tuesday night. Chris and I both just were not feeling good. And I was like, well, it could just be, you know, we started work after being away especially me for a week for the wedding stuff. I was like, could just be coming back to work, you know, let's see how we are in the morning. And then on, on Wednesday morning, I woke up with the absolute worst headache I've ever had. It woke me up. That's how bad the headache was Mm. at four in the morning. My jaw hurt. My face hurt. Um, but that was it. I didn't have any other body ache and I clenched my jaw and I was like, well, maybe, that's it. I'm going to take some meds, see how I am. Took some meds. Just could not get back to sleep because my headache was so bad. When Chris woke up, we both took a COVID test and it was both like, it took like a second. Like every other COVID test, I was like, oh, we'll see what the results oh, are. Oh, yeah, no. This when one you're, was like, yeah. yeah. That second line comes in immediately. Yeah. And and really, it, this was not the worst I'd ever been sick. Thank you, vaccines. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, all told. For having the most, you know, deadly plague of our generation. Yeah, it, it wasn't like I've had flus and colds that were way worse. But for three days, I had fucking razor blades in my throat. Mm. I lost my voice. Um, That was horrible. <laughs> Me not being Caitlin McKinnon, not being able to talk. <laughs> My God. And yes, you're wondering, you're like, I didn't realize Kate's voice was so raspy. It may always be like this from now on forever. (laughs) I don't know. Um, But yeah, it was razor blades in my throat. Three full days. It did not move. Like it didn't get worse, didn't get better. It was absolutely horrible. Um, If you were experiencing that, definitely gargle with mouthwash. Kills the bacteria. That was terrible. But other than that... Really, like, yeah, a little bit of a chill, a little bit of a body ache. Senior correspondent Chris had body ache much worse than I did. But really, other than that, I didn't get a cough. I didn't get, I wasn't blowing my nose a lot. Um, yeah, 
I mean, I did take a lot of meds. I mean, yeah, we uh, both, I think we both got off very easy for... And again, that's definitely because of the vaccine and the booster. Absolutely. And it's um, so funny because I was like, they, they just opened availability for fourth booster uh, in Ontario. The week, the day I was, I tested positive. Like too late, Ontario. So too late. Uh, but that's lame. Y'all know what that was like. Yeah, most of you listening have had COVID by now anyway. You don't need to hear us talk about it. Kate. Yeah. You finally had your wedding reception. I did. How was that? It was great, except there were a number of people <laughs> who either got caught COVID or for other medical reasons couldn't be there, mm. um, including, unfortunately, my stepdad and Chris's parents. Um, so that was very difficult because really we'd been waiting for two years yeah. to do this. Um, and that was very hard. Not the waiting. The waiting was, you know, fair enough, like, you know, totally cool. And we'd even talked about at the, at the beginning, well, maybe February, we, we sat down and we were like, do we want to do it this year? Or do we want to wait? Push it, push it again. And we were like, well, everything's opening up. Like, work was opening up completely. They were getting rid of mask mandates. Maybe it was March because I think they got – that's when they were talking about getting rid of them or they had gotten rid of them. Right. Um, And I was like, so really, I think we're on on the mend. I don't (laughs) think, you know, we're going to be – if everyone, you know, what it's like 85% of the population – has had both their vaccines or something incredible. I was like, I don't think there's going to be like another huge wave. Um, yeah. <laughs> famous, famous last thoughts. Um, so, but other than that, and like, there are like four tiny things that only I would notice. <laughs> Everything else was, was fantastic. And you were there, which was a great. Caitlin. Yeah. How excited were you to meet someone cute? Oh my God. So excited. I think I don't, I didn't, I think I ever tell you this, but I totally bombarded her in the bathroom. I did not hear that. I, did not I, I hear ran that. into her in the bathroom and I was like, Oh my God, it's so nice. like full on white girl, like, <laughs> oh my God. like so like drunk white girl. I wasn't even drunk. I was just excited. And that's how I get like full on like, <laughs> Oh, so good to be here. Oh my God. I hear so much about you. Like, you know, she, nice she's, re- chat. she's real, y'all. I didn't make I didn't make her up as a cute narrative narrative premise um, for the past. Uh... She is. I mean, I've seen I've seen pictures, yes. but she's so good looking. <laughs> I was like, damn. <laughs> I was like, how did that happen? I, I, I don't I don't know either, but um, I, I, um, I stay blessed, y'all. Yeah, but yeah, it was just, and she was lovely. And yeah, it was, it was great. And I have one of my favorite pictures now um, because of her. <laughs> is that when she ordered you is, to smash a cupcake into my face? Yes. Yes. <laughs> it was great. And I got all my aggression out. I didn't know how much violence towards you could just really. <laughs> so all that, all that pent up, all the chirping I've done over the production of this show for the past five years. She was just like, Ooh, oh, eat really? it, motherfucker. <laughs> Uh, I have my favorite photo now because of her, which is uh, us in a B-boy stance (laughs) and you in your wedding dress. Yeah. Which we took within two minutes of my arrival. Uh, Yes. It was a very very good time. Uh, Good food. Good ass food. Shouts to Balls Falls. Um, And yeah, just it was a good, good ass time. And I'm I'm glad even with all the unexpected hiccups uh that you had a good time as well 
Thank you. I did. Um, but I, I need to ask you, or, or really, you need to ask me. Mm. Um, I believe there is a song you had some questions about. <laughs> so, y'all, um, Caitlin had in a panic earlier in the week uh, asked me for just like, oh, just give me like 20, 20, like, you know, classic, you know, funk, whatever. So I was like, just put on, go to Spotify, Let's Groove by Earth, Wind & Fire, hit song radio and like, go, you're fine. But I assembled uh, Kate's Wedding Boner Jams 2K22. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Um, Uh, Senior correspondent Chris had a good laugh at that name. With a, you know, selection of, you know, songs. Maybe skewed a little too. I think I ended up going a little too, um, how you say, Black Family Reunion Barbecue. (laughs) Which was fine, Um, except it was a little late in the game and we'd already given like a lot of songs to the DJs, so. So I... There were a lot of, uh, you know, stand, standard fare, I'd say. We did, I, 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 for a lot, of, a lot of top 40, you know, you had... The, listen, that Lizzo jam, I only knew it was just... Uh, someone cute is sick of hearing me talk about this, but <laughs> I, I only heard the bit that got memed, you know? In a minute, yeah. I'm gonna need a... I only ever heard that bit. When I finally heard the whole ass song, I was like, Jesus Christ, this thing was made in, like, a space lab to be a joyous summer hit. I love it yeah. so much. Yeah. I played that, played your usual, played your usual things. And yeah. then it was already on my mind because it was a uh, Carabana weekend in Toronto that weekend. Mm-hmm. I'd like to thank Caitlin for scheduling her wedding on Carabana weekend. Cause it was a joy trying to get out of the city. <laughs> I'd like to get her a best friend medal, <laughs> a sash of some sort. You're welcome. <laughs> so maybe it was already on my mind, but when suddenly at this I, I don't think it's unfair to say. Very white wedding. Extremely white, not on purpose. I start hearing. <laughs> and the sounds of, oh, what was the name? The Soka Boys? Soka yeah. Kings? Follow the Leader by the yeah. Soka Kings? And all these white people knew. It's a it's a, like a call and response song. They, you know, like. It's like cha-cha slide, right? They call out a move and you do it. And Ren knew it very well, y'all. Um, I don't, and I can, and I, I actually. I only I, had time to ask Caitlin because we were leaving. And like the, by this point, it was an hour after the song I played that we were leaving. And, you know, she's got, she's the bride. She got a million things to do. And I'm just like, we're saying our goodbyes. I'm like, all I'm going to want to do when we hit the record button is talk about what the hell I witnessed with the Soka Kings and if that was East York or, like, like what that... Just explain what that was. So, Caitlin, explain what that was. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's like, it's an... I in, we. But you I asked for that song. He didn't just play it. Like, that was on your no, list, no. right? No, that was on the list. And I, I'm, I have to go back to see if I can figure out who it was who requested it. Um, but I... Of course I know that song. Like, I absolutely 100% know that song it could it have been my sister possibly <laughs> um and my sister has impeccable taste in music um but I, I I'll have to go back and take a look maybe I can ask that person but I, of course I know the Soka Kings follow the leader like how could you not like that's to me it's just and uh, maybe it's very, growing up in Toronto very easily Caitlin that's how you can not know follow the leader <laughs> by the Soka King I just it's just one of the I don't know it's just Maybe it's living in Toronto or a big city or, like, maybe it is an East York thing. But I – yeah, it just – 
when you asked it, I was so perplexed. I was like, well, yeah, everybody knows that song, right? <laughs> I was like, oh, she, she maybe looked everybody at me, does it. She looked at me song. like I asked, why did they play Life is a Highway at your wedding? Like, it was just like the most banal. Like, oh, God, oh, oh. no. That, see, they would never play that song. I hate that song. Good. I could, do, I could go on a diatribe about how much I hate that song. I, I had money that that song was going to get played at your wedding. So thank you for proving me wrong. Um, so that was the high point of, of Caitlin's uh, time off, perhaps. I, I, yeah. not, not, not the most important day of her life, as established. Nope. But a good day, nonetheless. Good, a good, day. good evening. But a good day, yeah. I got to uh, head back home to Windsor-Essex area to visit friends and fam and lounge in a pool, the infamous pool that Mr. Malosh built. And I got to go to, I believe, four Pokemon card stores with him. Amazing. <laughs> friends, have we talked about this much on Mike? Have I talked about this on Mike? I don't know if you have. I mean, see, this is the problem with being away for so long is I'm like, did we just talk about that as friends or did everyone hear about it? I don't know. You know what? Everyone can hear about it. Um, I believe, you know, so I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure it started as something to share with his son. I'm sure it did. And it's still there a little bit. He's way more into Minecraft than he is Pokemon now. But he still has an interest, and that's still that's still he was very annoyed when I couldn't trade him one of my Charizards on Pokemon Go. The child, <laughs> not Mr. Malosh. Uh, right. Because we were not good enough friends yet. You have to be best friends to uh trade Pokemon at that level. So send me more gifts, child. So while I do believe it started in that, you know, with that in mind, it has since morphed to the current way that Mr. Malosh uh feeds his sickness. Because he's got, he, it's, the sickness is just shorthand for collector, collector bullshit. Yep. And collector bullshit for a long time had uh, been surrounded by records. And now Mr. Malash's sickness is being maintained by the comparatively inexpensive pursuit of Pokemon cards. And I have to, and people might be wondering, yes, the sickness can transfer. And it does for many people. Some people never. Some people, they just, like, collect this, like, one thing for their entire lives. Um, sometimes oh, yeah. it, it transfers. I've gone through numerous things. We probably only, for the life of this show, it's probably only been records. But, I mean, it was it was obviously comic books before that. Thank you for the uh, new laptop, Sean, at <laughs> Rogues, Rogues Gallery Comics in, uh, in Windsor, Ontario, for financing that by buying my old comic collection. Um, and then, you know, there were shoes for a while or, you know quote-unquote lowbrow art toys you know which i still have a few of but yeah there's just been records ever since and i think mr for mr malash he gets the same sort of satisfaction there's the tactile sense that comes with like putting them in sleeves and organizing them which i love about you know cleaning records and alphabetizing and filing them away in the proper spot like it's all it's all just the same bullshit but it's you know uh it's relatively inexpensive because you can buy a pokemon card for you know two dollars yeah um, but this is Mr. Malash's lane. This is not my lane. And it's frankly no. the most me type thing Mr. Malash has ever really pursued. <laughs> I was like, are you really going to talk to me about Greninja right now? Like you have deep thoughts about <laughs> Greninja? <laughs> okay. Now you know how everyone else feels in your life. Wow. <laughs> wow. 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 Welcome back, everyone. <laughs> You missed this so much. You motherfucker. Um, <laughs> well, Mr. Malash, I hope you enjoyed that because uh, there was no no small amount of roasting that he got as we went into the not best part of Windsor, Ontario to 
pick up some cards he bought on Facebook Marketplace like a drug deal? Oh, Lord. Amazing. Everybody, everybody got their something. And shout out to Windsor, Ontario, because we went to one shout out to the store. I believe it was called uh, Brimstone, I believe. I, probably, I might have that wrong. But around the corner from Brimstone uh, was a popcorn shop called What's Poppin'. Ooh. And I got really excited by that. I was like, oh my God, it's called What's Poppin'. And then we rounded the corner and Mr. Malash was like, there's an ice cream spot right next to it. It was called What's Shaken." <gasps> I'm going to Windsor. I'm going to Windsor for popcorn oh, and for Windsor. ice cream. My God, what a time. So yes, uh, safe to say we both enjoyed our break and time away. We hope you all are having a great summer as well. August Watcharama is here. It is the time when we take the opportunity to just uh, watch stuff that is new some hot new new Ooh. stuff or just stuff new we have not shiny. we have not had the chance to check out that we probably should we'll get to that in the back half of the show there are a million things we could talk about regarding news i guess i guess uh there was the fact that the batgirl movie meant more to uh the new business daddies at uh hbo and time warner as a tax write down than it did as a theatrical release that was rough. Um, That's a rough RUFF. That was real rough. There was the uh, something we have complained about regarding Marvel for quite some time. Not the only ones. Many people have been like, where are we going here? Well, now we know. The map got, parts of the map got unveiled at uh, San Diego Comic-Con last month. With more to come at D23, whenever that is. Uh, is that this month or next month? September? No idea. All right. We're not that nerdy. We're a terrible nerd podcast, but whenever D23 <laughs> happens, they'll be talking about more stuff. And we finally got our first look at Black Panther, uh, Wakanda Forever in that presentation. No one really knew what this movie was going to be. It comes out in November, and we had yet to see a trailer. And when it finally did, we got our first shot of Namor, the Submariner, yeah. which yeah. meant I had to watch some fucking whales go across my screen. Yeah, I actually, anytime yeah, I see a whale yeah. in mm-hmm. media, I'm like, ooh, I wonder how, what Jordan He, he ain't going that. like that, and he didn't. Um, <laughs> be saving that for uh, Disney Plus, so I will not be seeing that seven feet tall on my screen. Sidebar, y'all think I'm joking. Saw some Instagram video today, people minding their own business. Suddenly a batch of fish just flew up in the air, and the camera turns, and it's a breaching humpback. Like five feet from where their boat was, yeah, so stay stay out of the ocean. Stay the fuck out of the water. God damn it! Um, so a bunch of that type of nerd stuff's been floating around. The only thing, the only thing that really matters to us, because you know, if you weren't here, if you didn't hear our last episode or last couple episodes or whatever the hell we talked about it, there's a very exciting event happening next Monday. Yeah, and that's when your boy and your girl are going to go check out Monday Night Raw at the Scotiabank Arena. That was that was a great uh, announcer voice. Listen, I just had COVID. I can't lean into it too much. Um, <laughs> Monday Night Raw at the Scotiabank Arena here in Toronto. Uh, my my colleague, a major Canadian retailer, had the hookup at her second job. Mm-hmm. She was like, "If I get tickets for this, you want to watch it from a box with free food?" And I was like, "You yes. are GD right, I do." And I was like, "Well, someone cute wants no part of this, so I'm not even going to ask. <laughs> Who else might want to come to this?" Caitlin McKinnon. Yeah. I was so excited. I keep on like, Crystal will be like asking or trying to talk to me. And I'm like, I can't, I can't. I got, I'm looking stuff up. And he's like, what are you looking up? And I'm like looking at wrestlers and stuff. Because I told her she had to, 
<laughs> she had to get the knowledge up because I did not want, uh, I don't know who we're going to be in the box with, but there you know, very well could be a uh, young adolescent. And I did not want her getting stank eye from a 12 year old when she asked me who that I don't know Bianca Belair was like, I am, I am fascinated by like not knowing, right? Like not knowing the, what do they call it? The card, the card, get the Card subject to change, yes. Um, And I just think that's super kind of cool and fascinating because you like you know what you're going to get, but you absolutely do not. Well, here's the thing, Caitlin. Mm -hmm. Six months ago, I could have told you what we were going to get. Something probably lame. It would have been all right, but it would have been a lot of sitting around and a lot of watching uh, people talk in the middle of the ring or lame backstage segments or whatever because that was the TV formula laid out by perennial, eternal WWE chairman and head of creative Vince McMahon, the guy who brought us here, the CEO, the man who brought us here, the man who built the company, who brought us here. And frankly, you know, he had a way of doing things and a vision that was, could be argued, was growing tiresome, stale a little bit. AEW was certainly thriving uh, for being the alternative Mm -hmm. in this, uh, in this regard. And then uh, you will recall, we talked on the show a while back about these reports, this reporting from the Wall Street Journal about these uh, extramarital, alleged, alleged, alleged. Do I have to say alleged? It's been confirmed. It's basically been admitted and sourced. You might as well. Allegedly! It doesn't take that long, and then, you know, not that anyone is going to sue us. They know we don't have any money. It takes nothing to say allegedly. Allegedly, extramarital affairs that he uh, used. We don't know. Initial report said it was just his own money, but there's been some... uh, adjustments to the balance sheets since this reporting came out that there was hush money payments being paid from somewhere. If it was just his own money, that's ethically bad. If that was from uh, company money, that's legally bad. Um, and they are sussing all that out right now. And for a few mm-hmm. weeks, for about a month or so, Vince stepped down as the CEO and, but was very much still like, it's like he's still running creative. He's still booking the shows. He's still the head writer. Nothing happens on your television screen that he is not okayed. Yeah. So what change was that really, you know, that didn't really mean anything to those of us consuming the product. And then randomly out of nowhere, I don't know. I should have the date. I believe it might have been. It was Friday night. It was July 22nd, I believe. Because he announced it was right before SmackDown. Because he put a plug in for it on a, on a message to the talent that uh, was later released um but yeah he announced his retirement at the age of 77 i believe that he was stepping away from all of it uh it was time to retire you know at 77 he was thinking we know why we know why yeah too much of a hot potato my man and that's how that goes but um he's still a majority shareholder of the company but just it's he's kind of too much of a liability right now uh and likely going forward so he has stepped down as the CEO, he was already uh, replaced by his daughter, Stephanie, and mm-hmm. uh, who was sharing the role with, I believe he was the chief operating officer, a guy named Nick Khan. And now there was some speculation regarding who was going to take over creative. And now taking over creative is a guy named Paul Levesque, who was, most people know as the wrestler Triple H, who... Yeah. Everyone loved when he was running their developmental league, like the AAA league, NXT, and running their weekly show and just giving like a real, for lack of a better word, wrestling ass wrestling show. (laughs) (laughs) There's just some wrestling ass wrestling. And the things that it's only been about, so like, like I said, it's been three weeks since, uh, Hunter 
Sorry, Triple H stands for Hunter Hearst Helmsley. That was his original gimmick when he came to the right. WWE. He was a he was a highfalutin snob. That was his name, Hunter Hearst Helmsley. And then it just kind of morphed into Triple H later on. Um, but folks and fans still call him Hunter sometimes. So it's been about three weeks since Hunter has had the book. And to say that we are seeing correctives is putting it mildly. Beloved... <sighs> Beloved talent that were fired in some of those talent cuts we talked about over the years. Yeah. Back, yeah. back, returned. Ooh. Um, people who didn't really have much to do or were being uh, underused suddenly have, like, mid to main event storylines. Oh. And the most interesting thing was this past week on Monday... Um, there was a, it happened all in the background and they never addressed it. And it was just, unless you were paying attention, you wouldn't have caught it at first. So somebody's giving an interview backstage and in the background, there's a couple other wrestlers and some like security. And there's like a car that's been crashed into something. Right. It's not the focus of the shot. The guy giving the interview is what you're supposed to be focused on. And this is mm-hmm. real, like basic pulpy television but like they haven't tried anything like this in so long that the fact that right. they did it and then later on again that's another backstage thing and the and like these three uh women wrestlers are talking and suddenly there's like people security like running through the shot behind them and again they don't acknowledge it they kind of go huh and like carry on talking what they were talking about and there will be a few other things like that again it's a three-hour show so they're trying to find ways to make that three hours interesting <laughs> and it's not their idea. From what I have always gathered, it's not their idea for the show to be three hours. That's the network. They want three hours, right. so they try to do three hours. So they're trying to find new ways to make that interesting. Ultimately, what it leads to is AJ Styles, wrestler AJ Styles has fought a match. He's doing his thing. And again, it's not even – the announcers don't even say anything. He kind of looks in the corner um, at a kerfuffle. And you see security trying to grab this guy who looks to be like trying to rush the ring. And this is the thing that happens sometimes where people get stupid and they try to rush the ring. Yeah. And traditionally get, you know, put down quickly. And again, the announcers aren't drawing attention to it, which, which if you're watching, if it's not part of the show, of course the announcers aren't going to draw attention to it. Cause we're used to, after all this time to be like, we seem to have an altercation in security. I'm like, who's that? Oh my God. Like, but again, they never said anything. Right. All that happened was like the camera kind of panned over right as they pulled this hood down on this guy trying to rush the ring, and it's a wrestler named Dexter Loomis. Kate, who's Dexter Loomis? Uh, what did I say again? It was pretty good. Um, he's he's wrestled for a very long time, and he's very good at giving crazy eyes. Yes, he's extremely good at giving giving crazy eye. Um, that's just an observation from the videos I had seen, <laughs> and um, I had did some research on his background. But all the announcers did was, like, go... They weren't like, oh, my God, it's Dexter Loomis! Um, they were just like, is that is that Dexter Loomis? And, like, it wasn't, like... <laughs> that was it. It was Normally, it would be like, he would rush the ring, he would lay the guy out, he would pull his mask down and look at the hard camera, and the announcers would lose their mind. That was the Vince way of doing things. Right. All this is to say, who knows what we're going to see? And that is, like you said, Kate said in DM, that, like, it's kind of awesome that it's, like, a present you don't know what you... You, know, you, don't, you don't know what you're going to get. You and, just know it's going to be fun. Yeah. And yeah. I went, I went, this, this event went from being something that could have been very easily predicted to, I literally have no idea. And that's super exciting. And we'll try not to talk about it in too many marquee terms uh, in a couple weeks uh, after we come back. Well, but. 
I, I still am, I'm, you know, learning, right? <laughs> um, so you'll have to explain everything to me again anyway. So the audience will be fine. Huh. Good times. Kate. Yeah. We had a- ample time to watch content. I've tried to narrow down my list. Give me two or three things that really, uh, give me the creme to the creme of anything you checked out during the um, hiatus. Okay. So a uh, great season three of Orville. Though I felt the last episode of the season, like the rest of the season was really good. The last episode of the season was real. It's like they rushed it, which seems weird Mm. because we're getting a fourth season and like they had a whole season to do. And they did set up quite a few things, but anyways, but otherwise really good, really consistent. Um, uh, Uncharted is a stupid movie, but fun. (laughs) Um, Like it's so dumb. But a lot of fun. Um, Ghostbusters Afterlife was a lot of fun. Check oh, that really? out. Oh, really? Okay. It was it was fine. Like it wasn't terrible, but it you know it was lots of fun. Um, and then I have two things. One thing that I didn't expect anything of, didn't even really know about it until it was literally playing, and was totally blown away by, and thought was amazing. And one thing I had really looked forward to watch and could not get through the first episode. So, start with the first thing. Pray. Do you know that they were making a, um, oh, what's it called? A, a Predator movie? A prequel set in, like, pre, pre-colonial America? A pre-colonial can- Canada. The Canada? Um, called Prey. Um, I knew about a week before the movie came out. I knew as it was playing as I came downstairs and... <laughs> Senior correspondent Chris was like, oh, hey, yeah, there's this Predator movie. I didn't think you'd want to watch it. And I was like, cool. Like, I wasn't expecting anything. It was so fucking good. (laughs) It was so good. It has made the list of, like, movies I watch while I'm sick. Like it's it's, oh, it's this is this is Judge Dredd territory we're in. Yeah, like this is this is Dredd territory. Like like it was so fun and like I mean I don't know how long this will last for, but I'm definitely gonna watch it again. Like it was just it was fun and. And and really cool, and they had so many like actual like they actually had um, uh, the the tribes that they were supposed to be representing like actually were worked on the film and like worked mm. with the costume designers, and it was actually how the people lived and what they looked like, and there there were um. They were French, um, like, trappers in the movie. Like, it was just very authentic in that way. And then there was an alien. Like, it was <laughs> it was so well done. I was so pleased. Um, the thing I had really wanted to check out was a show called Outer Range that has Josh Brolin in it. Yeah, Chris, I don't know what it's about. Chris and Andy were into it, I feel um, like. My problem, and I found this with a couple things, is... Once the main characters murder someone (laughs) for no reason and try and get rid of the body, I can no longer connect (laughs) with the story. Do you know how many people every year don't murder someone? Act like accidentally (laughs) and try and get rid of the body? Like, give them a show. Right? Like, I just, it, it was a weird choice. It was not needed. Um, and this is in the first episode and I think it just really, it was the same thing that happened with, 
I mean, not the, there were other issues as well, but remember what was that Kevin Costner? Yellowstone. Yellowstone. It's the same thing with Yellowstone. They're like, one of the guys like murders someone and they're like, that's fine. Let's just cover it. Like, no, no. Right. That's, I, I didn't come for that show for this. Anyways, I was hoping to get like cool, like spooky kind of unknown sci-fi outer uh, limits kind of <laughs> vibes. And instead I got like cowboys murdering people. I was like, Ugh. so I was very disappointed. So yeah, I mean, there are other things that I will talk about for August, but mm. that is, that is the sort of things I can really, I've, I've pulled out to, to talk about. Good picks. Sorry. Yeah, outer range hey. didn't work out. Yeah. Um, pretty sad. What didn't work out for me. It's I'm going through it, but it's, it's not working out. It's a book called the last days of Roger Federer by the author, Jeff Dyer. It was my, uh, my vacation book or a bunch of vacation. I had, a, you know, I always pack more vacation books than I think I'm going to get into. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is the one I got into the most, and it's set up in brief little numbered passages. And I got really excited because when I read the description, it made it seem like it was a book about how you your approach to art, how people's and creatives' approach to art and their work changes as they get older, which is not out of line with stuff I wrote about in my book years ago. And I thought, I was like, oh, is it more talk about that? Do we have new things to say about that that I haven't heard before? That'll be fun. Let's get into it. Um, I didn't know it was going to be basically about how much Jeff Dyer likes Burning Man and tennis. Okay. And Bob Dylan. Like it's a lot. Of, it's like a lot of those numbered sections. If there's maybe like I've probably read. I'm not done the book, but through the course of reading it, I've probably read about 250 of these little numbered sections, and maybe 25 of them I've been really invested. In. <laughs> <laughs> not great. Um, but I'll still I'll still plow through it just to say just to say I did. Um, and then move on to other books. Something I read that I enjoyed a lot more. This was my COVID read. Because obviously I wasn't doing anything. And that was uh, a comic that I had heard good things about over the years. Superhero comic. Mainstream Marvel comic that I always heard good things about. Right. So let me get into some Immortal Hulk. Ooh. This is from Al Ewing. Uh, the writer Al Ewing. I believe in like 2018, 2019, somewhere in there, uh, which basically took the Hulk back to his really horror based roots. Right. And the idea that I don't even know if this was established canon beforehand. I mean, I assume it must have been to some extent, but like just that he can't be killed. If Banner dies, he will resurrect as the Hulk. Right. So it's like one part zombie book. It's one part all the like, again, the like, what was new at the time was this idea that the Hulk is like, how he manages his childhood trauma. So he has different Hulks. Um, the concept of the devil Hulk, I think goes back to, uh, the, maybe the seventies. Um, <sighs> and this notion of the green door, um, which is what he passes through every time he dies, um, to come back and just real. I, let me get the artist because they deserve credit as well because the grodiness and the body horror here, if that's your vibe, Caitlin McKinnon, sometimes it is. Kayla, it sometimes is. Kayla McKinnon love her some gore. So I do. All I shouts. do. So the illustrator on this is Joe Bennett, and all the covers were done by the, you know, great comics painter Alex Ross, who did Marvels and Kingdom Come, so it's got a very like sort of dark tone on the covers. Mm-hmm. Like so you know and he drew because he's just 
Alex Ross is such a classicist, I guess. Like, it's very much the, like, square-headed version of the Hulk type of thing. Um, and ultimately, as with most superhero work-for-hire books, it lost steam during the ending because you got to put the toys back. You know, everything's got to kind of go back. No matter what you do, you got to put everything back for the next guy, basically. Right. Yeah. So I thought it was that's a really, sorry. That's a really good way of putting it. I think sometimes people don't realize that with comic books. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you need, just need to accept that there's ne- this is why everyone, people never stay dead or whatever. I mean, one part it's IP for other, you know, media entities, but also, you know, you got to put the toys back, you know, in its place, everything in its right place. Shouts to someone cute, uh, for the next writer to come in. So I thought it less steam, but I had a great time reading it and it was a perfect, like 60 something, uh, comic. All on Hoopla, $0. Get a library card, y'all. Um, what else did I watch? Other fun COVID watches. Best foreign picture winner, Drive My Car. The three-hour meditation yeah. on loss based on the work of Haruki Murakami. <laughs> <laughs> what? Saw that on Crave and like, ooh, let me get into that. Uh, <laughs> Woo, good times. That's fun. Um, yeah, nice summer watch, oh, yeah. Jordan. Super, it was downright tropical. Um, it's basically about a guy who's an actor. Very devoted to his wife, loved his wife, discovers his wife is cheating on him. He leaves one day and she's like, I need to talk to you about something. And he avoids going home because he doesn't want to have the conversation. And she has uh, an aneurysm while he's gone. And so he's one part. It's like, I was too cowardly to have the conversation. Two, if I had gone home earlier, she might not be dead. Three, why did she cheat on me? And basically he has a... um, I think he can drive, but there's just a policy. He's going to some um, festival, like a theater festival, in southern Japan to uh, basically direct a production of Uncle Vanya, the Chekhov play. Right. Multilingual. Like, if you speak Japanese, Mm -hmm. you speak Japanese. If you speak English, you speak English. If you speak Mandarin, you speak Mandarin. Um, So... He has to get driven around. It's the, it's the festival policy for him to get driven around by this young young uh, driver who's kind of gruff and has a very, like, stern face. And it's just about basically their – it's just a lot of talking in the car with their relationship, right? Um, yeah. As their relationship forms because they each have their own traumas and pains that they're processing. Um, and, I mean, when a movie is as widely heralded as that one is, I'm not a huge film guy like you are, like – I don't know that I appreciate film. I obviously need a hook of like, it's based on a Murakami book or it's three hours long and in Japanese. Like I need that shit to get me in the door. And, but then once I'm in the door, I'm like, oh yeah, of course this is great. You are a strange, strange man. (laughs) I know. I know. Um, But, you know, I didn't even realize that the movie had gone on for 45 minutes before the credits came up. (laughs) Like that's the kind of movie it is. Um, And just like he has all these tapes that his wife made because obviously he needs the play to know the cues. He's acting with someone speaking a different language right? in these plays. Like this was his technique and this is what this festival wants to do is his technique. So he has like full text recordings of his wife reading Uncle Vanya. Right. So he can rehearse. So it's him just getting driven around by this girl at night in Japan while like listening to these tapes of his wife reading the play. Um, and then of course, one of the guys she was sleeping with ends up, you know, auditioning and he casts him and he doesn't know why and it's processing that, you know, whatever. And just really intense conversations about loss and how much we really know each other and things like that. And, you know, super chill. 
Exactly like The Boys, which was the other thing I watched during COVID. <laughs> ah, another really warm summer really, watch. Really, really chill. Um, man, that show's fucking bleak. Like, it's really good. I will say this. I don't ever want... My comments about The Boys are in no way meant to say anything about the quality of the show or the sharpness right. of its satire. It is so, so good at what it does. But it is fucking bleak. And it really leans into the mm, Trumpy cuness of the last, you know, six years this season. You know, never forget that the former president said he could shoot a guy in the middle of the street and probably and nothing would happen to him. Like, yes, that's I feel like that quote inspired a lot of this season. Um, and you know, what? I'm not even going to say it. <laughs> There's so much stuff. In, I will give put it like this in season two. I mean, I greatly enjoyed this, but I mean, they, they explode out of a whale in season two. Yeah. The show consistently shows me things I have never seen before, for good and ill. <laughs> like, <laughs> shows me things I never needed to see, which is not exactly an endorsement, but it's certainly, you know, to its credit. Happier things. Let's start with the start with the dad shows. You know, there was a dad show, show that I will only ever watch because I went downstairs after dinner and my dad was watching it <laughs> on Netflix. Oh, I can't wait. Had my money on Young Sheldon. I really thought Young Sheldon was going to be taking the lead. He he generally loved that on, uh, you know, terrestrial TV reruns. Mm-hmm. But he's really into Prodigal Son. Oh. Which is the procedural about a uh, forensic, what do they call his dudes? A CSI guy. He's one of those, but his father, Michael Sheen, was a, was a serial killer. I do love Michael Sheen. He is fantastic. I don't know what he's doing here, but... It's a it's a weird weird show, and my father is, it's just a, like a like a killer of the week type thing, um, and definitely the side plot of this season that my dad was into was about the main characters, the son's sister ended up murdering someone in like a fugue state, and like, oh my god, oh super pulpy, like <laughs> like this is net this is this is CBS, this is network ass television, not very high fluting. It did try something in one of the episodes I watched where he fell down an elevator shaft and was basically like multiverse in it, like he was having, he was living his dream life, but also solving the murders at the same time. Amazing. He's like, oh my god, I'm still in the elevator shaft. And my dad's like, that's a very strange episode. And I was like, it's this is real base. This is a comic book. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is good. this is early Grant Morrison shit that we're doing right here. But amazing. <laughs> but, but you know what? Hey, my father was impressed. Shouts to him. Um, he enjoys the show, and I enjoyed watching it with him, even though it's not anything I would ever watch on my own. Hey, uh, sometimes we need pulpy shit to get through the hard times. Uh, shows that people bring to me that I do end up watching without move on to the someone cute shows, give her her flowers. Someone cute brings me quality things, two things that she started watching first and then told me to check out or not even told me to check out. Honestly, sometimes she doesn't even give me recommendations. She just watches them and I'm there. <laughs> I'm mm -hmm. like, this is pretty good. Uh, one of them was loot, which is an Apple TV show, a little sick half hour sitcom starring Maya Rudolph as a basically, um, who's 
Bezos's ex-wife? I don't remember her name, but she, yes, she got but a lot of money. Whatever her name is. She was married to, Maya Rudolph was married to a very, very rich person, uh, played by Adam Scott, who created some sort of software, whatever. She catches them cheating. They didn't have a prenup. She walks away from the marriage with a ton of money. She is shocked to discover she has a foundation in her name that does uh, <laughs> philanthropy in the greater Los Angeles area. So she just kind of starts going to work to figure out, be a better person. I saw the trailer and it looked fantastic. And it is Maya Rudolph. It's, I mean, listen, what, I don't need to tell you anything else besides that start there. But I mean, Ron Funches also plays her cousin who works for the foundation. <laughs> Adam Scott's in there. There's another guy who I don't know his name, but he was also on this show and the League of Their Own uh, TV adaptation that started this week. So he's great on it as well. It's just a really... It's not reinventing the wheel. It's it's just a fun, better, <clears throat> better than your average sitcom sitcom. Like, definitely the clip that made the rounds and was like, oh my god, she's a national treasure, is has to do where an, an episode where her character Molly is, like, trying to bring the foundation publicity and do interviews and such, and she ends up going on Hot Ones, and... <laughs> oh my god, Yes. If you've ever seen Maya Rudolph play Beyonce on Hot Ones, it's basically the spiritual successor to that, and <laughs> it's it is fantastic. You can find that clip pretty easily if you watch that and are like, "Oh, I'm fine. That's enough for me." No, yeah, stop listening to my show. <laughs> You're done. And the other thing, I didn't even I hadn't watched a frame of this show uh, before <laughs> before this morning, and I uh, watched the back half of the most recent season this morning <laughs> after she left. Today, we were watching yeah. it here, and then she went home, and I was like, oh, polish off that, that finale right quick. Um, and that was Never Have I Ever, which is in its third season on Netflix. This is the Mindy oh. Kaling produced show about uh, a young Indian girl in California and high school travails and things of that sort. And it's just really a well-written teen foible comedy type of thing. Um, I was surprised at how moving and really <laughs> funnier than it should be to be honest it was much funnier than i was expecting and all the characters are super charming and yeah this is a this is a been a long time fave of someone cute and uh the new season was out so we were watching it this morning and then when we came back here we watched a couple more episodes and i was just like there's only one episode left on the season i'll watch it nice <laughs> so i was like maybe i go back and i'll watch the whole thing because there's so much i haven't seen um yeah, the only other thing I watched uh, during the hiatus was so many tech YouTube videos. Oh, I was, my God. Because I was buying a laptop. Once again, if you've never heard me say it before, I'm saying it to you now. Tech YouTube is the motherfucking worst. All of you are the motherfucking worst. Especially, the worst. Especially when it came to this laptop. I know it thermal throttles. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> it's fine. <sighs> Friends, that's what we got. We're going to take a break right here. And when we come back, August Watcharama commences with probably <laughs> the only thing it should, if we're really thinking about it. Yep. And that is the hotly anticipated adaptation of the beloved 80s comic Sandman, which is on Netflix right now. We have watched it, some of it, if not all of it. And we will talk about it when we come back from this break.
welcome back to the show. This is the half of the show where we talk about the thing that we have decided to talk about. Mm -hmm. Not brought each other, just sort of like thrown into the geek down ether. Um, And during uh, August Watcharama, it's really stuff that is going to be popular, that we want to watch, that we would like to take a look at. Sometimes it's suggestions, but this year there was so much so much it was easy it was easy to choose some things um but before we get into it there are rules uh the first rule is the rule of three that if the thing comes in parts we will at least watch three of them so the thing gets a chance to become the thing it is trying to become this thing knows what it is and (laughs) because neil gaiman who wrote the thing is in charge of this thing it really knows what it is um so that wasn't really a problem. And I think probably both Jordan and I watched the entire thing. Despite my best efforts, I have not watched the entire thing, but I'm more than two oh. thirds. I'm two thirds through it. Okay. Um, the second rule is hashtag save it for the pod. Yep. See, I didn't know she, that Jordan hadn't watched the whole thing. She didn't know. She had no idea. Because we do not talk about the thing we are going to talk about in the show. So you, the listener, gets the kind of freshest of takes it is pretty fresh take still yeah i mean the 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 disco moves so fast right now that like i'm sure but that's not our fault it's not our fault fault. um and the third rule which isn't a rule it's just a policy on the show is that there will be spoilers so if you're like i don't want to know anything i haven't seen any of the episodes then you need to get the fuck out get the fuck out um because we are going to be super spoilery. We'll probably talk about things in the comments. Talk about things I'm that guessing. haven't ha- haven't happened on the show. Like, listen, even if you saw the show and you don't want to know anything, we're probably going to allude to things that have happened in the comic yeah. that we have both read in its entirety. Yes? Um, not in its entirety, no. Oh, really? Not yet. Not yet. Um, but a lot of. A lot. So, a lot of. So, what is this thing that we are talking about that is a thing that is uh, probably means a lot to Kate, I'm sure, and is like totally for me and that is the sandman the netflix adaptation of the beloved late 80s early 90s comic book written by neil gaiman and drawn by a host of people but most notably written by the celebrated fantasy author uh neil gaiman so here's your standard wikipedia the sandman is an american fantasy drama television series based on the 1989 to 1996 comic book written by neil gaiman and published by dc comics the series was developed by gaiman david Escoyer, and alan heinberg if you ever pay attention to names, the names on television shows, those may sound familiar. Those are bat movie producers and OC creators and they, they know their television. Um, it was developed for the streaming service. Netflix It's produced from blah, 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 blah. Uh, series stars, Tom Sturridge as Morpheus King of dreams with Boyd Holbrook, Vivian Achimpong and Patton Oswalt in supporting roles. I apologize if I butchered, uh, Ms. Achimpong's name. Efforts to adapt the Sandman be- to film began in 1991. Two years after the comic started, they were like, we got to make something out of that. Mm-hmm. Then it floundered in development hell for many years. In 2013, Goyer pitched a film adaptation of the series to Warner Brothers. Goyer and Gaiman were set to produce alongside Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who was planned to star and possibly direct. However, Gordon-Levitt exited over creative differences in 2016. Uh, Due to the prolonged development of the film, Warner Brothers shifted the focus to television and Netflix signed a deal to produce the series. 
Um, Sandman premiered on August 5th, 2022. It received generally positive reviews from critics with praise going towards casting, production, design, costumes, faithfulness to source material and visual effects, uh, as well as performances of Sturridge and David Thewlis, though some criticized its pacing and story, which they thought was too faithful to the source material. We can get into that. What is this show about? Morpheus, the personification of dreams and one of the endless, which is a family of beings who are all the manifestations of different concepts, uh, is captured in an occult ritual in 1916. After being held captive for 106 years, Dream escapes and sets out to restore order to his realm. The Dreaming, that is a very succinct description of what this yeah. show is or what this story is. So, I gotta do preamble here first. You love a good preamble, y'all. Love it. I said this was totemic to me. And it is. It is as core, this story is as core to my being as any story can get. Uh, I believe it was in the days of TV Ontario's Prisoners of Gravity. Did you ever watch that show, Kate? You remember that show? No. This was a show in the late 80s, early 90s, hosted by a guy named Rick Green, where the premise was uh, Commander Rick had enough of Earth and tried to flee in his car, which crashed into a communication satellite. This is very heady stuff for a public television show. <laughs> um, and now he is on this satellite, and he wants to talk about different topics he's interested in talking with these topics with different fantasy authors, comic creators, things like that. That was the first place I ever saw Neil Gaiman was on prisoners of giving interviews on prisoners of gravity. Neil Gaiman has traditionally always loved Toronto. He called it his first girlfriend because they, they were on early with the Sandman. He did a signing here at the silver snail back when it was on queen street. And it was like the Rolling Stones had showed up. It was a huge event. Mm -hmm. So he's always held Toronto in his heart for that reason. And as well, for Prisoners of Gravity, giving him airtime to just talk about whatever. Um, and again, they would talk to everybody, like Ursa, Ursula K. Le Guin, uh, Octavia Butler, John Salzi, like all all the sci-fi fantasy authors you could possibly imagine. This show would talk to um, about whatever the topic of the day was. And like I said, that was the first place I ever saw Neil Gaiman. And I was like, that guy is so cool. <laughs> yeah. And they would talk about this book he wrote called The Sandman. And I, years later, I think the first thing I bought was they did a one-shot special about Orpheus. It was a telling of the myth of Orpheus, who was the king of dreams' son, or the god of dreams' son, what have you. Um, and told that story through the lens of the Sandman characters. Um, and I read that book, and I went, holy shit, what is this? I'm 11. <laughs> I was probably 12 at that point, but I was like, I'm 12. What is happening? What am I even reading? Fast forward, I'm at the Motor City Comic Con in Novi, Michigan with Mr. Malash. Sort of jam where, like, my parents would drop us off and be like, we'll be back at five. <laughs> Have fun. Amazing. Um, and we just ran the roost and just looked at all these weird comics that we would never see anywhere else. And I had $15 left in my, my little, my little GoBots wallet or whatever the hell I had. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like... I was like, well, do I buy a bunch of comics or one co expensive comic? And some dude had Sandman number one sitting on the wall. And this is the story of Dream's imprisonment, Morpheus's imprisonment, and what that happens while he is imprisoned, the effect that that mm -hmm. has on humanity. And this is the story told in the first episode of the show. And I remember the guy pulls it off the wall. It was $15 American back then. Um, and he hands it to me. He was like, great, great pick, man. It's going nowhere but up. I'm like, I'm Again, I'm 11, sir. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not speculating. I'm not speculating. I'm a child, sir. I'm not speculating on the market value of comic books right now. Like, I just want to read it. 
And I did. And it was bomb drop. Like, it was... I never read anything like it. To say this story, property, what have you, means a lot to me is underselling it. And I was not super impressed by the trailers when I saw them. Having been through seven and a half episodes now, um, to put it succinctly, this feels like an apology for Cowboy Bebop. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow. Amazing. Kate, your thoughts. Yeah. I I really liked it. Um, I adored some of the casting and I disliked some of the casting. One in particular. Ooh. Um, Patton Oswalt. Uneven. I don't hate it. I don't love it, but I don't, I don't hate it. I hate it so fucking much. Patton Oswalt plays Matthew the Raven, who is, I mean, doesn't line up with what the voice I heard in my head because Matthew was always depicted with this real, his, his speech bubbles always had a real like scratchy font on them <sighs> probably to like emulate a Raven crow or Raven caw, like the chirp <laughs> of a Raven. Yeah. Like I'm sure that's what it was meant to emulate. So Patton Oswalt just talking like Patton Oswalt is not necessarily what I heard in my head, but I, I didn't yeah. hate it. I just, it pops me out of everything. Mm, I'm like, fair. that's Patton Oswalt. Like, <laughs> there's no, like, no, and and he just, he only has one volume and <laughs> one way of talking. And I really, and I don't hate Patton Oswalt at all. Like, I think he's been in a bunch of stuff that I really liked. Um, I just, as, as Matthew the Raven, I don't understand the casting choice at all. Um, and that was for me that it's so hard because he's in so much and it just like, will pop me right out of what I'm watching. Um, being like, yes, Patton Oswalt is here. He's playing a Raven. Um, but then on the other hand, like Tom Sturridge is amazingly cast. Sometimes he's, um, sometimes he's a little too pouty lipped and I'm like, stop being sexy Morpheus. But I guess that was always part of his mm, appeal as well. Right? Like, yeah. And Kirby Howell Baptiste is death. Come on. The little lisp Come at the on. beginning when she like first comes up to him in like in episode six, I just couldn't like, I was like, I can't, she's just, she's too perfect. She's just, she's perfect. She's perfect. And I mean, this, this is the thing about, you know, does it follow the source material too closely or not? Um, I guess the thing is, for me, like, I knew the first words that were going to come out of her mouth when she showed up on screen, Kay. I knew most of what she was going to say. Mm-hmm. Because the comic is basically the script. Like, her little monologues that she gives, the questions Dream asks while they're walking. Basically, it happens in episode six. Um, Death, who is another of the Endless, Dream's sister, um, comes to check on him. He's had this, the first six episodes chart this the story of his imprisonment and his escape. And then he had these tools, a helmet, a ruby and a bag of sand that were his tools that got stolen and lost over the years while he was imprisoned. And it's his quest to find all of these. So now he's found them and he's like, well now what kind of vibe and Mm -hmm. death comes to check on him. And like I said, I know I knew how the plot of that episode was going to go. Cause I've read that comic a billion times. It's yeah. the first appearance of death in the comics is just it's a fantastic issue. Single issue it's of called, comics. It's the sound of her wings. The sound of her wings. Sound, yes. Right. Because when she, you never see it, you don't see it in the comic, you don't see it in the show. But like when she takes someone to the sunless lands, as they refer to it, um, 
at dream comments, you hear the sound of her wings. Um, and again, the genius of Gaiman was he wrote death as someone you would be delighted to meet. Yeah. It's not a silent skeleton in a robe. It's like a cute goth girl that you're kind of into. <laughs> um, and who's very, and who knows that like, it's hard for humanity to deal with when she shows up and she wants to make it as painless as possible. She approaches it from a place of, you know, love basically. Um, and like I said, I know the comics and I was watching this on the train back. <laughs> so when I know, like I said, I've read the comics a million times. And one of the moments that hit in the comic as it hit in the episode is when she goes to a baby. Oh, and so senior correspondent, Chris, who, who knows of Sandman, but doesn't know, like, doesn't know the Sandman, yeah, like yeah. hasn't read it. So we're watching that episode and she goes to the baby. He's like, no. And I was like, yeah. And I'm like already crying. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and she know, picks so. the baby up out of the crib. And thankfully they, they didn't, I mean, speech bubbles they, in a comic, yeah. right? But they took it yeah. smartly, took it out of the show. I know. I know. She picks I up the baby. I so worried. She picks up the baby and I'm like, is the baby going to talk? Because in the, <laughs> when in the comic, the baby's just like, is that all I get? Um, they didn't do that. All you hear is, is death go. No, I'm sorry. That's all. That's all. So that obviously the implication is that the baby has asked the question and then, Oh, oh I'm like, you, you're really going to come for me on this train like this. Um, my progression with the show kind of went, this is kind of okay. And then a few by like episode three or four, I was like, this is pretty good. And then by 24 seven, the episode in the diner, which is basically a bottle episode as David Thulis, who plays uh, the son of one of the people who captured dream and has the Ruby and he's gone kind of wonky with it and basically tortures these people in a diner by like removing lies yeah from their life um and everything that happens to them in this diner while he does that um i was like oh this is really good yeah that was a really good episode of television but that is to say it can be very episodic almost anthology like Mm -hmm. um which the comic was as well the comic took detours all the time like it's not like it's it wasn't like morpheus and the sand gang every Every, you know, 15, every, every issue, you know, it was like, sometimes you wouldn't see him for, for issues at a time. And I think. And the show does I the think, same thing. Like the, And I think that's good. I think that's different. Isn't that what we want? We want different, right? Oh, we I, don't want to fit Sandman, try and fit it into like a mold, like yes. everything else. Uh, yeah. I'm not, I'm more of a like point of fact for the listener. Not anything I have a problem with. Like I. I just mean, I know other people have said, mm. oh, it's, you know, it's not, it, it, maybe it's too closely adapted. And I'm like, yeah, but we, we liked that. About it's it's the fine line between like slavish devotion, which is what like the Zack Snyder Watchmen movie got raked for, mm. or just care. That's like the word I keep coming back to watching this is just like, these people cared about this. Yeah. They know what this story meant. And like, listen, it's not going to be for everybody. I went on a 25 minute <laughs> thesis to someone cute who I don't know what I mentioned, but she was surprised. Cause she's like, Oh, I didn't think the show was like that. And I was like, well, the show actually blah, 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 blah. <laughs> um, Cause I don't think it's not for everybody. It is hard fantasy mixed with horror mixed with, I don't know. The show, the show does everything, everything mixed with like Shakespeare is going to show up again. <laughs> if he doesn't already by the end of the, uh, 
by the end of the season. Um, and it will, what I like what the show does is it's not a straight one-to-one with the comics. You might have a couple issues of comic in one sound of her wings was one issue of the comic, but it's both that sort of meeting of death and dream. And then the story of, uh, Hob Gadling, the guy who refused to die, who becomes friends yeah. with dream. Um, they tell that story as well. And I thought that was great too. <laughs> like mm-hmm. just really well done. And the one moment uh, that I thought was fucking genius. And so the one benefit of having like everything under one corporate umbrella, so to speak. So, uh, both the characters of John and Johanna Constantine are in the Sandman because again, this was a DC book. Yes. Can't stress that enough. It became, it removed itself from the DCU, but like the justice league is in the first six issues of the comic book. Like, yeah, John Constantine shows up in the present day and with Johanna as his, um, ancestor, like his Victorian era ancestor, also a magus magician, whatever. And, they just go with Johanna. I think, cause maybe who knows some, another studio owns the rights to John Constantine type of thing, but DC owns all the comics. Right. So when it comes time to show Johanna's backstory, when she shows up for the first time and she knocks on a greasy door and a small girl opens up and she, and Jenna Coleman, oh. is that her name? Jenna Coleman who plays her? The yeah. Who plays her goes, Hey, Astra, I lost my fucking shit, Caitlin. And I'm basically screaming on the train. <laughs> They're doing Newcastle, which is the, like, the John Constantine story about him being young and stupid and cocky, and he ends up getting a girl killed. Yep. Um, And her name was Ostra. And so, like, I was like, oh, my God. Because, of course, you can. It's all DC. They own all the stories. So why not cherry pick Mm -hmm. a John Constantine story to, like, make, give you everything you need to know about this weird amalgamation character uh in like 10 minutes and it's so effective i thought it was so well done to just take that story um it like i said it's not perfect it's not for everyone i almost don't think i can give it a grade because yeah i don't know i i there were so many things i love some of just some of the casting i still can't get over like even Boyd Holbrook as the Corinthian, <laughs> like that was pretty inspired because he comes off as very like blonde and young and surfer yeah, and exactly. yeah, wooden, like not. But as the Corinthian, he did an amazing job. I was like compelled, but also terrified. <laughs> um, yeah, and I still can't get over it. I'm like, how did you find Tom Sturridge? Like, where? How did you find? Because he just has these angles to his face. And the voice. I wasn't expecting the voice because yes. I never heard him talk. You know, when we saw the photos first, it was like, yeah, he's yeah. got the cheekbones. But the voice is like, yeah, that's him. Like, Yeah. Um, yeah. And even weird things like, um, I'm just reading his name now because I didn't know it. Ferdinand Kingsley is a uh, hobgadling. Is that who plays him? Yeah. And... He had, like, I think that moment where, you know, he's lost everything and he hasn't eaten in days mm. and because he's immortal, he can't die. And, like, and so, <laughs> I mean, um, Dream is like, so are you ready to die? And he's like, are you kidding? He's <laughs> like, I have so much to live for. Like, that, that, the way he played that was so well done. Um, 
Yeah. And I liked that the aspect of it that is a little bit more like issue to issue, you know, mm. um, it's not this overarching story where it has all these different strings and you find out everything and it, you know, I'm glad they, they did it that way and they kept that issue feel. Um, and I mean, like, listen, like, like I said, the stories are so ingrained in me that I, I'm doing the thing I criticize fanboys for doing all the time which is play spot the reference like right and the show is not afraid of like laying things out i assume i am working under the assumption that neil at all did not agree to this deal if netflix did not commit to telling the whole story right my first fear was that and i think neil even addressed this because people were like netflix is kind of shying away from if you're not stranger things like anything more than two seasons netflix kind of pulls up stakes like yeah how can we be sure they're not going to break our hearts on this and without getting into the legality of it. Neil kind of tweeted like, you know, it's covered. We got you <laughs> type of thing. Yeah. Um, so they're not afraid from laying, laying that stuff out. They talk about the prodigal, um, which is one of the endless who is missing. Which was yes. And they, and they mentioned, um, they mentioned um, delirium. They mentioned delirium. Yep. Yeah. Um, we've seen despair. Um, I haven't, like I said, I haven't been through the whole show, so I don't know if we see all of them yet, but I mean, desire is there. Despair shows up, um, her little thing that she always does, which I'm not even going to say on Mike, but it's, it's creepier to watch in, uh, yeah. in live action. Um, they mention like when they mentioned Nada and when Nada showed up in that episode, I was like, oh, God, <laughs> um, yeah. And they did the thing where, again, it's not even explained. Like that's. That's what I love. So one of the things is if he reflects whatever culture, civilization, whatever he is appearing to, right? And they, they've they wilded out with this over the years where, like, you know, everything dreams. Yeah. So he is, you know, a known factor in every culture throughout time in the universe. So if it's a species of sentient plants, he shows up as a black and white sentient plant. Like... If there's an infamous story where, like, he is, you know, cats have their own cat's dream. So there's a cat Morpheus. <laughs> and they nudge this when he's walking through hell and this imprisoned woman runs up to a window and calls him Kaikul, which is what, I don't know what pantheon that represents necessarily, but he then turns to her and he's a black man. Because yep. that's how they would have seen their god of dreams or their, you know their dream king from their pantheon and like it's not it's not like then matthew flew in and was like hey why did you turn into a black man like it's just a thing yeah. that happens that you have to that the show respects you enough to go huh type of thing um and and even things like just like mad hetty like having mad mm. hetty in the background like <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess she just kind of showed up and, <laughs> and didn't didn't do much but you get the feeling that she'll she'll be back like she mm -hmm. she knows him and and, uh, the world is very fleshed out. Seems to be. I mean, that's the benefit of having one thing I realized and I've never, I've never seen him. I'm sure he's answered this question at some point, but like, because I was reading it out of order at the time, mm -hmm. later issues were cheaper. So I was working backwards basically. So when I would read, finally get my hands on issue five, which was the 24 seven diner issue and see people in that issue that showed up later. 
and were like huge main characters, I was like, were you flying by the seat of your pants, man? Or did you have this all mapped out? Probably a little of both. Yeah. But like the, the foundation, like the, the frame of everything was so solid. Like that's the benefit. That's why the world feels the way it does because it's all been fleshed out. It was a 75 issue comic and he colored in all the details and he wrote the series Bible. Like this is all known stuff. If anybody has a question, he's got an answer for it. Like, yeah. And it shows. And like I said, it's not, it's not perfect. It's not high art. I don't think it's going to be for everyone, but for those of us who love this stuff, I'm so delighted by the care and sort of respect that everyone involved has given this where, you know, I did not feel that with the Cowboy Bebop adaptation necessarily. Um, and that's really, it's really nice to have something you love get made into something else and be excited for people who are never going to read a comic to maybe check out this show and experience these stories. Cause it's doing such a paying such honor and homage to the stories I loved reading in my teens and twenties. It'll inspire a whole new generation of uh, gothy weirdos. And it's still a story that's different and interesting. And that's saying a lot. Yeah. You definitely can't say it's something you've seen before. If you're, if you're new to it, I don't know how you watch that and go, Oh yeah, no, this is like X. It's really not. Mm -hmm. So I guess I'm giving it like an eight, eight and a half. I haven't polished off the season. I'm sure it's fine. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But yeah, just, just a delight for me. Wonderful way to come back to talk about this. What are you, what are you giving it? If you have to give it a grade, an eight. Yep. It's, 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 I mean, and unfortunately you have a thing that's really, that's really iconic that you're putting up against it. So it's really hard, (laughs) but I, I, I had a great time watching it. I watched it in one day. Oh shit. All right. Hey, I had COVID. All right. It was great timing. (laughs) Listen, I watched the boys in a day, so I get how that goes. Like, um, and I just like, I got some food together and I sat on the couch and Chris didn't really know what was going on. And then he realized it was Friday and he was like, Oh, (laughs) Oh, you're here all day. I was like, yeah, feel free to join me. Sure am, Pally. (laughs) It's Sandman day. It's Sandman day. So yeah, I, um, I watched it one day. And it was fun and definitely because the episodes were different every episode, it made it feel, it made it feel like you were in different places. Like it was a different show every, every episode. Yeah. It it almost, and this is kind of like, this is going to sound like an insult, but it seems it's like the best version of like your episodic Saturday afternoon show. It's like Mm -hmm. the best slow food, highfalutin version of that because it's so well-written and well-acted. Yeah. Um, but just by the nature of the comic, it is that vibe. You might have a multi-issue arc and then a bunch of one shots that just told different stories or myths yeah. because stories were the engine of the, the original comic. So that's part of that as well. That's on your Netflix. Y'all check that out. If you checked it out and you enjoy it or you think you're lo- we're ludicrous and you don't know what the fuss is about. Let us know at twitter.com slash geekdownpod. That is where the show lives on the social means. Kate, what do, you, what do you want to do next week? Star Trek, Paper Girls, what are you feeling? Um, let's do Star Trek. Getting back to them brave new worlds on Star Trek. We will get to that next week, friends. Thank you so much for joining us. We are happy to be back. We're happy to be back, aren't we? We're so happy to be back. So I'm, happy. 
like legit i I feel like that came off as disingenuous but (laughs) i am actually so excited to be back uh i get to hang out with you every week and yeah it just it makes me feel like you know i'm back on track in a way (laughs) my weeks have structure again exactly it's not this weird summer vibe where i don't know what's going on i'm basically a child is what i'm saying and i like structure and i like hanging out with you and i like you guys listening every week and we thank you for listening this week we hope you will listen next week friends thank you for spending an hour and change with us every week it truly means the world to us my name is jordan ferguson my name is Caitlin McKinnon. The theme song is by Rob Gasser. And I hope you will join us next week for another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. So many dongles. <laughs> So many dongles. I hate Dongle World. <laughs> it's the worst vacation ever. Get your tickets for Dongle World. <laughs> I don't want to go to Dongle World. <laughs> too bad. It's too many cords. This is what you asked for. <laughs> you asked for this. Tim Cook just on a pile of money laughing at you. You asked for fast performance. Welcome to Dongle World. You fucking dongles, motherfucker. Fucking baby. (laughs)